It's uh, it's like people who are fascinated by um, turbo compressor maps. Oh yeah, that is. That I is don't understand cool. them, but they look cool. That is beyond my comprehension. Yeah, I don't know when or why or how a turbo becomes efficient, but somebody does, and they've made charts. I think you have to ride that balance between, like, response, flow, like overall flow, and how much like exhaust housing flow and then how much intake air it can flow also before it peaks out at the top. Speaking of, speaking of turbos, are we already rolling? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, well, welcome so. to beer and backfire, everyone. Hi, Steve. Hello. Um, well, that, <laughs> that's unfortunate because I was about to show you something visual. Mm, good. So unless you have the ability to put it in the show notes, I'm going to have to get very descriptive. There is a fine line between ability and motivation. And capability. Mm. I saw... Just, 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 just gander yourself at that. That's a large turbo that is larger than a man's hand. That is my, that is this man's hand. Yeah, I saw that picture. You posted it somewhere or shared it somewhere? I must have. Yes, actually, I responded to something on Facebook with that. Oh, yeah. This is by far the largest turbocharger I have ever laid eyes upon in person. It probably weighs 45 pounds. Is that on a diesel? This is not on a diesel. It is on some kind of V8-powered Fox Body Mustang that runs like 4.4 second eighth miles. Jesus. It's 1,700 horsepower. And it's... Yowza. It, yeah, and the turbo is like... You said it was in the fours? Unreasonably. Yeah, 4.4 in the eighth. Oh, in the eighth. In the eighth, okay. but that's still... That's still insane. Yes. But... That's probably under six in the quarter very fast yeah wow. yeah but um yeah turbos big turbos large i saw one we have uh it's not turbocharged but we recently wrapped up um tuning on a dodge t-rex yes the same one that you did the wrap on the gray one i remember it well um it is making he basically the customer has said that his goal is to just keep pushing it and pushing it until it explodes and then just buy a built engine and then keep going because this man just has unlimited funds apparently at least unlimited in the realm of blow my truck up so it is it's a completely stock long block with a gen 3 whipple 3 liter on it I think it's Gen 3, whatever the, the, the newest version of the Whipple 3 liter is. And it's making 870 wheel. Is that what he's up to Jeez. now? Yeah, 870 wheel through those giant ass tires, which means he's probably those, well over a thousand crank. Those are like s- around 10 second quarter mile trucks, right? Yeah. On those tires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is just insane. It's so stupid. The, you're talking like, about the T Rex, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's absolutely incredible. I get that all-wheel drive trucks just like overcome everything against them with like sheer volume of rubber in contact with the road mm-hmm. and driving all four of them at once as hard as they can, but it still defies aerodynamics, the rest of physics. And it's I mean they're so heavy but also like just 
how much, how many things and how much mass that it has to turn just to turn the wheels. Yes. It's, it's almost all of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's almost all the mass. Yeah. But it's where we, we just ordered some new pulleys for him. So we're going to spin that thing even harder and cool. see what happens. See what, which part blows up first. Apparently he's the, the only one that he knows of that's well, well over a thousand at this point is a guy that has the Whipple and twin turbos at the same time. And he wants to get try chart. He wants to get really close to his power level without having to have spent the money on the turbo stuff. So, which I think he can do. Cause I, I, I think that well until you factor in the money that he will have spent on a brand new motor at some I'm, point. Soon. I'm also assuming that the other guy probably has a built engine as well. Probably. Yeah. Uh, the fascinating thing about um compound forced induction though is that you ask a lot less of both. So it simplify it a little twin charged in the case of just a turbo and a supercharger um pressure compounds it it multiplies so it doesn't add so if you're getting eight psi out of a turbo but then feeding it into a supercharger that would by itself be getting eight psi it's actually like a multiplication factor so you don't wind up with 16 you wind up with like 28 or something. <laughs> so what you what you can do then is actually drive the supercharger much slower and and, and generate way less heat and be way yeah. more efficient and uh, size the turbos to be way more efficient and not be like spinning insanely and not lag really badly. Right. And then still make 14, 15, 25 psi without overworking either system, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I did a bunch of reading on it when some guy was building a homebrew twin charged MR2. Maybe I forget. It was right. way back in the day, but something like that. And it was just fascinating because he was one of those guys that actually like delved deep into the science behind it, uh, and then just you know casually explained it all in a blog back when blogs were things that people actually sat and read. I love. I love when you stumble across a, a good blog because it, it's just so it's so much nicer it's, to read. It's a relic a from format. the before times. Do you remember the? Um, I think it was an. Uh, it was it was a Mitsubishi of some sort. I don't remember if it was like Eagle Talon DSM days or if it was like, um, or if it was like an Eclipse or something like that. But uh, or an Evo, an Evo or something yeah. like that. Um, but the dude made like some crazy big. Uh, compound turbo setup and he had a forum thread that was like 78 pages long you is this i, I remember Bells? this the, yeah, yeah yeah that same same vibes like yeah. you know just dude did so much research building insanely this. in depth yeah and and generally sadly the way that most of those things went was they got to like page 78 and they were 95 percent of the way there and then you never heard the end like yep. no one ever seemed to get one of those projects across the finish line and then just like drive it for 15 years. Yeah, that's really that is the struggles of like a home. Well, besides that guy um what's his name? Wesley Kagan? Is that right? Or is that somebody we know? Or is that the guy on YouTube? 
There's a Wesley somebody on YouTube, the guy that did like the free valve Miata engine. Yes. Like homebrew. Yes. We- oh, yeah. yeah. Wesley. Wesley Kagan. Kagan, I yeah. think. Is his yeah, name. that's the guy. We've talked about him before on the podcast. Yeah. I have talked about him. He, he, he is the guy who actually sees those things all the way through and like prototypes and then builds the crazy thing. And then it actually does work. And then he goes, you know what? I'm going to build it uh, different or better. Like he has a short attention span. Yes, he did. Uh, he prototyped on a Predator motor. Yes. His free valve head. That's and right. Then, and then ported, pun intended, the technology over to his Miata. Uh, pretty cool. Steve, what are, you, what are you drinking? Devil's Backbone Beware the Haze, Hazy IPA. I said to Corey just prior to beginning to record, um, it's actually probably the first Devil's Backbone IPA that I've bought because the packaging was cool recently that I'm disappointed in. Oh, it's not bad. It's just it's not very flavorful. Like there's really just not much to it. It's kind of mm. kind of a bummer. It's not bad. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not skunky or weird. It just doesn't taste like much. What do you got, Jordan? Oh, that's good fully. This is Allagash North Sky Stout that has been in my fridge for probably six months. It's, it's what the fine. listeners at home don't know is that I'm that trying was desperately to pull a koozie off. No, this that's empty that's can. actually the sound of Jordan's knees and back as he <laughs> got up to read the can. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> You're not far off. Yeah. And then uh, what's the what's the fascinating concoction you have over there? Yeah, so I have um, just a big old jug of water with some Mio in it. No, I'm kidding. The, and next the, to that. <laughs> the beer is uh, Star Hill X Halt. Uh, X hyphen A. Oh, man, I'm not even going to try. H-A-A-L-T. Yes. There's uh, a, anyways, there was an extra vowel. It is vowel. a fruited imperial sour. I think you were drinking that last time we were on here. I wasn't. I talked about it because uh-huh. I had gotten it, but it wasn't cold when we recorded yet. Yep. So, um So anyways, it's uh it's good. You probably would not like it. Probably not. It's not especially sour e really. Um to I mean, I like sours. I drink them with frequency. So, it's not like blow your head off sour. Like right. some are, um, it, it has that like imperial flavor, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's very alcoholy, it's alcoholy and it's, uh, heavy. Um, it has, it has some lactose. It's like a couple different fruits, peaches, strawberries, and mangoes, maybe or something like that. Um, it's reminiscent of those, but it's, uh, got some lactose in it too. So it's got some, some depth, um, it's good though. I like it. Good. I'm enjoying it. I'm generally not a huge fan of Star Hill in general, but uh I'm I'm glad you're enjoying your beer. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh I believe it was a gift from somebody. Well, thank you somebody. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Don't remember somebody. who that person was, but it was I believe a gift. Anyways, it's uh it's good. It had zero head when i poured it which was good because it just fit in that pint yeah, glass yeah. like there are uh i just want to interject real quick uh-huh, um, yeah lay them on me giggity <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> uh 
Um, yeah, yeah. There's a couple in there. Just there, wanted to put that. There out were there. a okay. few in yep. there. That's fine. It could apply to any number of them. Um, I was going to do the the podcast thing where you, where somebody uh, pulls up and reads from Wikipedia as to because Corey and I were conjecturing before the program. Ah, yes. About what imperial means when it comes to beer because we don't know exactly i i have noticed that all imperial stout imperial ipa imperial this that and whatever are high in alcohol but besides that i there's probably something in the actual beer making process that makes it an imperial and unfortunately there is a beer by the name of imperial like that is the product name and that is all i could find on on wikipedia so there's probably a beer makers wiki that explains it or jordan who is looking at me and waiting for me to stop talking might have the answer i could be confusing this with something else but i believe that imperial is called such because that is how the russian royal family imported beer in the winter time in the the only way to import beer in the ships in the russia in winter is to have crazy high alcohol content otherwise they would freeze and break the bottles so it's to my understanding it's just it's literally just high abv ABV. yeah i mean i like i say i had noticed that that seemed to be the through line between all imperial varieties i had tried but that's um that sounds as plausible as anything and could be true. I when we were talking earlier, I almost said that I thought it had something to do with Russia, but I could not remember. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Now that you say that, I feel like maybe I've heard you explain that before. Like it, it's one of very few things that I know. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, the you know, you seem to also know, um, generally speaking, a fair amount about mid to late 80s Toyota Corollas and somehow keeping them going. Not without help. (laughs) You guys were both at New Jersey Motorsport Park recently. Would you tell me about that, please? I will now mute my mic for the next hour. (laughs) Corey will now be taking a nap while he (laughs) pretends to listen. Uh, Yeah. Well, see, now I'm you, sorry. Do you, you already do, had to unmute do you want it. To do? <laughs> Just leave it unmuted, bud. I, uh, you're going you, to interject. You're right, I am. Did you want to do uh, spotted cars first, or do you want to save it for later? We can do spot. Oh, well, we have a spotted, a pretty good spotted from New Jersey. I was going to say, that that's, the one, about. that's the one that I think of immediately. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll interject it when it comes to that. Then. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, because that'll give me time to think about other spotted cars that I've spotted. Yeah. And that okay. was kind of close to the end of the weekend. Anyway. Okay. I got a good one I saw today. I think Jordan at least will appreciate it. Well, I, I, we'll go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. now you're going to leave us in suspense for okay. an hour? Come okay. on. Steve, did you watch uh, Breaking Bad? I did not. Oh, that's a real oh. shame. Um, I am a new, newly I'm sorry. converted. <laughs> am I kicked um, off? It's real podcast. good, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's quite good. It's quite good. I saw today literally the rv oh my god that's literally it it's it is wow i mean bounder. it's the same color it's the same model it's it is that's straight up the rv straight from breaking up bad. the rv from breaking bad i mean it 
Like I, I checked like the, for bullet holes in the door. Man. The stripes like, and everything. What a good yeah. color scheme. It's it's awesome. so good. Just iconic yeah. of an how era. how could you have that and not just have like a pair of tidy whities flying from your antenna? I know, I know. I I it like, should be required by law. I'm saying. Or with like a gas mask hanging from the rear <laughs> bumper. I wanted to. It was. It was towing a PT cruiser too. <laughs> <laughs> Not while Jordan's drinking, Corey. <laughs> Ooh, amazing! Yeah. Um. And it had a. Uh, it had a in the P, in the PT cruiser font. You know the 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 font from the word cru- sure. cruiser on the back. Um. It's it had there was a sticker on the back that said cruiser in tow. Wow, that's commitment to the bit. Uh huh. Jordan's mad. I I respect it honestly. I I couldn't be mad at that. At least they're enthusiastic about what they their have. terrible decisions. I think is what you meant yes. to say. Oh, I might have one more note. Hold one second, please. Mm. I believe it was also our favorite car color. You know the one. Oh, I know the one. <laughs> You can kind of see a corner of it right here. Oh, she sure is. She I sure don't is. know the one. Silver? I would it just feel, looks silver. I would feel better if that... Is it beige? there was more representation on this show. However, it is most certainly Jewish racing gold. Oh, that'll be the one. <laughs> I did not coin that term. I don't, don't at me. I did not make up that term. It's really funny, though. That was Matt Farah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, I saw that this morning on 95. That's a good one. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I I was like coming on to 95 uh, and I was like, "No. It can't be." <laughs> so, have you finished Breaking Bad? Not yet, no. Okay. I'm on the third season. I don't remember how many seasons there are. 5. Oh, I have a good spotted car cuz I took pictures of it uh literally yesterday. Um it was a perfectly um, faded red Mazda MX-3. Oh, nice. And I just thought, and it was a stick shift. And I thought, what a delightful little track car. I wonder if it had the one eight. That would be. And I am ashamed to say, as much of a Mazda fan as I am, I don't know what they typically came with. I know you could get the 1.8 V6 in them, and that is like the coolest thing ever. Oh, 1.8 V6? A 1.8 V6. I think that's, it's a KL motor or something like that. I used to know. Very because small. For a long time, it was like I believe my it is the smallest V6 in a production car ever, I think. But it's really cool. It only that's makes fantastic. like 130 horsepower or something like that. But yeah, they, you straight pipe them and they sound amazing. Well, you know what I learned? If I learned one thing at New Jersey Motorsports Park when we were there, it is that 130 horsepower is no joke. It is no joke. <laughs> it is no joke. <laughs> Shout out to Ross Smith uh, for the quote of the weekend. Yep, that we, we did just, not let it go. We beat that into the ground. Oh, three days of... 130 horsepower is no joke because once somebody has said that <laughs> sentence <laughs> no i no mad respect for not letting him ever forget it yeah I, yeah because for sure we were talking about fits and how the third gen fit because it has 130 horsepower is too powerful for mo- like sunday cup so you have to add a bunch of ballast and stuff yeah. to make it 
legal uh, because 130 horsepower is no joke. <laughs> that was that was Ross's take, <laughs> is that 130 horsepower is no joke. And it just felt like everything was no joke for the rest of the weekend. What a I delightful think. gentleman. He's really yeah. good. He's a good guy. Yeah. And he has good quotes. He does. And that was one of them. So, our, our great adventure. Yep. Jordan and I attended uh, the Gridlife event. They finally came as far east as southern New Jersey, which was about five hours from here. I'd say. It's a hike, but it's not, it's not ridiculous. It is the, it's the farthest I've traveled to go to a track. Uh, same, same for me. Um, and it makes me, actually, it was a good test for, uh, for the tow rig. Um, and by which I mean the tire trailer I pull behind my Miata. Yeah. Um, to go that distance. It was and, also uh, an incredibly hot weekend. I, well. Yes. They told us it was the hottest weekend they had had at NJMP in 10 years. Yes. That is what I had heard as well. I don't well. know how well they track that data, but... Uh, I think the track's only been open since 2008, so it has, it's not like it's been open that long. That is, yeah. That's longer than 10 years, though. It is, so, but, I mean, I'm not good at math, but I was, can figure that out. It was 97 uh, as a high, uh, I think, all three days uh, with some humidity. Heat index was like 104. Um, the only redeeming thing was that there was about a... 10 to 15 mile an hour like stiff breeze for most of the day for most of the weekend and that's really the only salvation we had besides shade and lots and lots of water and while it was humid it was still less humid there than it was here yeah so yes it was apparently worse here (laughs) impossibly (laughs) when we got back uh sunday night I, I pulled into my driveway at like 10.30 p.m. and got out of the car and immediately was like, so bad. I was so proud of myself because I pulled into my driveway at, at whatever it was. It was earlier than that. But um, I actually got home, unhooked the tire trailer, uh, schlepped it all the way around the fence and into the backyard and like did all that stuff that night because it was supposed to like dump rain. and um. I don't know how I did it, man, because it was gross outside. Yep, I un- I unloaded the the Corolla and put it put all the thing away. Yeah, but prior to that, the great adventure started on Thursday. Yep, Thursday afternoon. Uh, I went up and met Steve at Night Run Garage around four four ish three thirty four ish yeah like yeah and the boys were wrapping up i had them do uh an oil change uh throw some good good ams oil in the car because um i as of yet do not have an oil cooler on that car and they are known for drastically high oil temperatures even in good conditions and i knew it was going to be crazy hot at the track um so i figured the best protection i could give it was good quality oil that would not break down that's thicker than stock so i went 530 um so they threw some amps oil in there for me they swapped my rear brake pads i had new porterfield r4s's to go on the rear um and then they nut and bolt checked everything which i'm very glad they did uh because apparently somebody and i will name myself because it was me left uh at least three of the four lower shock bolts when i put the conies on the car loose 
guess I just maybe I intended to lower the car to uh, weight bearing, you know, and then I think that's what you're supposed to do. And then tighten them down so they don't preload the lower shock bushings. And I think maybe I just forgot. So all the creaking in the car when I went in and out of my driveway and stuff that I thought was obnoxious, like spring rubbing on the spring perch. No, it was just that I left bolts loose. So good job. That'll do it. At least good the job bolts me. were still there. The bolts were still there. They seemed to, the threads seemed to still be in good condition. And uh, thankfully, the boys, shout out to Chris specifically, but Chris and Ben at Night Run. Good guys. Um, tightened up all of those for me and, and double checked uh, the rest of the control arm bolts and all the good stuff under the car. Got it ready to go. And then Jordan and I left it. Probably 4.30. That's about right. Uh, and got on the road, and then we made one fuel stop and kind of took our time and thought we had plenty of time. I wouldn't say we took our time, but we, we had a, like, we weren't... It was in, leisurely. We weren't in massive, like, you know, crunch time pace. Yeah. Um, we checked the straps on the Corolla. We yeah. bought ice. We mm. got snacks. We yeah. got gas and then got back on the road. We ended up hitting traffic. Some was it north of New York, or like like no? no I'm sorry, not oh, New York. Wait, I was no, it was say. just it was on the other side of the Delaware Bridge, or right before the big bridge into Delaware. I think. Yeah, uh, they had it down to one lane. They had yeah. two lanes closed, right? So yeah. one lane of three on the highway. And so uh, they were supposed to close the gate at 11. Yep. And uh, the GPS was just ticking that ETA up right up toward 1045. And we had still planned to stop in northern Delaware at a Walmart because buy food and I had bought food because I don't plan ahead. So by the time we detoured from the highway, uh, stopped in northern Delaware and uh, got to Walmart, I said to Jordan, the ETA is about 1045. If I make this shopping trip less than 10 minutes, it will be 1055 and we will be getting there right before they close the gates. And uh, so I made the, the fastest. world's fastest Walmart shopping trip, like literally riding the shopping cart into the store and through the aisles and grabbing things, self-checkout, riding it back through the parking lot, and uh, chucked all the groceries in the car, and then we got back on the road, and then just, I think it was just after the bridge. It was on the bridge. Apparently, there is just, like, zero cell signal there for a solid, like, mile or two. We get right over the Delaware Memorial Bridge, and Waze is telling me to exit, like, right there. And Jordan is staying to the left and staying on the highway. And at this point, I figured, well, if I follow my GPS, which says I'll be there just before 11, and he follows his, better the chances that one of us gets there before they close the gates and says, please leave the gates open for my buddy. He's five minutes behind me. So I get off the highway. Jordan didn't see me get off the highway. I like looked in my mirror and I didn't see him. And I was like, oh no, is he stuck on the side of the bridge somewhere? Like I was like, panicking. Yeah, like, I thought I popped a tire phone. on the trailer. Who knows? So I didn't know he was trying to call me. I figured he saw me exit. Five, six, seven minutes later, a call finally comes through. There was no cell service, just, just a hole right there. And uh, I was like, no, nah, I just split off to try to get there before the gates close so good luck to you and he was like good luck to you and so we're both apparently separately doing like 
70 miles I mean, an hour. You, you can do that in the Miata with a tire, tire trailer. I'm going through like roads between cornfields at like 70 miles an hour towing this car where I cannot stop very quickly. Just flying. Yeah, these I, roads I still was desperately there. hoping that a deer would not step out because it was bad. I don't have brakes on the tire. Like it would just flip over. If I had to hit the brakes hard, I think I would just lose the tire trailer. And yeah, uh, but we got there. We got. I got there uh, about ten forty nine, and I pulled up to the gate, and well, I was like, by a fair bit then, because I was like ten fifty five yeah. plus. Yeah. I well, I shaved some time <laughs> booking it on New Jersey back roads, and uh, I pulled up to the gate and I was like, "Hey, has a guy come through with a forerunner and a trailer and a little red car on it?" And they were like, "Oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, we've we've seen a lot of cars." I was like, "No, no, no! Like in the in the last five minutes." They said, "Oh, uh, no." I said, "Okay, my buddy's right behind me. Please don't close the gates." And they're like, "Oh, well, we weren't gonna like." close the gates at 11 o'clock <laughs> thanks guys for putting what? that on the website then yeah. what does that even mean i, I have like, no idea like yeah, they I, they don't as we found out later and we'll get to this part of the story they don't close the gates there because it's honestly that track is kind of in the middle of nowhere there's kinda. a there's a small like executive airport next to it there's a motocross track right on the other side of it but otherwise like you don't go out there unless you're going out there and you don't go down the long road that leads you into the track unless you're doing it on purpose so they probably don't have that many people just randomly come through so they were manning the gates but they really didn't apparently care what time we got there so we get there basically 11 o'clock and then set up camp uh which was pretty uneventful so you the, at New Jersey Motorsport Park, there are two tracks. There's Thunderbolt, which is where we were supposed to be, and then there's Lightning, which is the one that looks like a dick. Um, it it do. It looks like a cock and balls. I am sorry. It, yeah, it's oh, it, it's that. Oh, I I have seen <laughs> I have seen it. Yeah. Um, so there is like zero signage in the facility to tell you where things are. So I went in and I'm just, I'm sitting there. I'm like left or right. Well, I guess I'm just going to go right because 50, 50. And I came up, you know, no, that was the wrong one. And that road goes for like 11 billion miles before I like ended up over a bridge in the middle of lightning, like with no one around, like, I don't Uh, think this is the right spot. (laughs) Yeah. And I called Jordan. I was like, Hey, uh, have you. Have you made it here yet? Because it was like just about 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, I think I turned the wrong way. I was like, oh, they didn't tell you when you got to the gate. Just turn left. They told me. (sighs) They did not. So I I found my way back to Thunderbolt. They figured you were his friend and you'd tell him. (laughs) Well, I guess. But we we didn't have walkie talkies. I mean. I found my way back to Thunderbolt eventually, but. We uh, th- it was really cool. They had the uh, the control tower like all lit up with like neon lights and like pastel colors. It was really cool looking. It was. Um, and we all unloaded and had a beer, as I recall, and just chilled. Set up camp, and then we went to bed because it was really late. <laughs> yeah, I think we stayed up till probably one one thirty, something like that. Um, getting things set up, which wasn't too bad. And we got up the next day. And I had mistakenly been under the impression that so this is now Friday. Yeah, I was keeping the, track. That what I had 
paid for when I paid uh, for the weekend with Gridlife, which this is my mistake, not theirs, was that, you know, I read the schedule. There was HPDE on Friday. There was HPDE on Saturday. There was HPDE on Sunday. And so I thought I paid general admission and got all three days of HPDE. Well, no, it's, it's just Saturday and Sunday is what I had paid for and Jordan had paid for. So Friday, we were just going to hang out and watch things and watch races and see what people were doing. And Friday morning, we got up, got the cars through tech for the weekend. And then I kind of looked around and thought, there's really not that many people here. And at the driver's meeting, they had said that because not that many people had signed up for uh, Friday HPDE, they were going to be combining intermediate and advanced and just running both like all day to so get it, yeah to get so they were yeah combining beginner and novice and then combining intermediate and advanced and just giving everybody like even more track time you mean like like running at the same time yeah, yeah. we're just gonna put yeah because the run two, groups three, were so small not, all, were just, not all four one and two together and yeah, then yeah, three yeah, and four yeah, together. yeah 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 but just like instead of getting four or five sessions you would get like six or seven sessions just insane amounts of track time so me and steve both looked at each other and we were like i mean we're sponsored by mastercard right (laughs) so we ponied up the money for friday hpde as well um which turns out bless grid life but they're kind of fast and loose about who gets to go on track when and as it as it turns out if we had been less scrupulous people we had a tech sticker for intermediate and we literally just could have lined up and and gotten and we had our wristbands so we could have just gone they did not have a driver a separate driver list for friday that they did not verify who was supposed to like we could have just driven friday for free but But we didn't know you are good people so we paid that somebody's gotta somebody's gotta let adam jabay eat that's right Speed the man. That kind of stuff like gives me life. Like (laughs) like finding those little loopholes sometimes just like it would have been it would have been cool, but I think I also would have felt a little bit guilty. Sure. Sure. And and I guess that is uh for 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 a cause that you are willing to support regardless. That's really what it came down to. I looked around and was like, grid life is cool. This organization is cool. What they do is cool. And I'm going to support them with my money. Yeah. And so they they deserve it. Like, I don't feel bad about it. But yeah. Oh, no, no, no. If it had been run by the U.S. government. Or... Or any other government. (laughs) Or, you know, any number. I like NASA, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we paid... We started Friday. We got through session number one, kind of familiarized ourselves with the track. Um, things were good. It's a really fun track. It's a really fun track. I like it a uh, lot. I was uh, pretty timid about it at first until I actually like got to know what turn was coming next. Can I see the map again? The map is also deceptive because there is a shocking amount of elevation change. Yes. Uh, as, so, as with VIR. So you were yeah. on Thunderbolt. Yes, so it's the much better looking one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, so going, I, hang on, hang on, Steve. Yeah. So you're going, you go this way. This is start finish. Okay, that's turn one. Okay, yeah. And this is, is so called, one, this is called the octopus right here. One, two, three, four is all fairly high speed. 
We did not use these little. Cutouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna ask. Yeah, okay, those cool. are chicanes. They usually run them for motorcycles. Yeah. Gotcha. So one, two, three, and four are fairly high speed, yep. and then five through twelve is more technical mm-hmm. and lower mm-hmm. speed, and then tw- or twelve is a high speed corner back onto the front straight. So it's kind of. Um, what Jordan described it as, and I think it's a fairly apt description, is like if Dominion was good. Yeah. It's, it's what Dominion was trying to be. It's what Dominion was trying to do, which is like kind of a cool high speed section at one end and yeah. then a real tight technical yeah. section at uh-huh. the other and then open back up. But I could uh, see it. You know, we obviously have a lot of other problems with dominion raceway how it was built and how it was handled. that's also a pattern that summit point uh follows extremely well yes yeah summit point main also uh fairly high speed and flowing at one end and and tighter and more technical at the other um and then uh second session we go out and uh it's going great it's it's going great and where does it go from there jordan uh and then uh the the leading theory is that as would then become a theme for the rest of the weekend is we think there was oil on the track ah um because uh, other people have had reported uh finding slippery spots in turn 1 as well um but it's I, there's video of it out there on my on my youtube channel on my instagram and tiktok and stuff um but i i went into turn 1 turned in the car was set in like Car- like set and carrying through the turn then right before the apex uh the rear end just let go and i counter steered and it came back real hard and i ended up o- over correcting and turn one is a right hand turn so i ended up going sliding to the left to the outside of the track facing away from the track sliding to my right off the outside of the track uh which is a lot of dusty dirt and grass and mostly dirt though like in the areas where people commonly go off apparently there's just no grass left at least this year and it was very dry so it was quite dusty it was like a really fine silt um so i slide off the track uh the right side digs in um the left side hits i must have like gone over like as the car was rotating to slide to my right I went over a bump and that must have then the left side must have caught it and the left side came up in the air. I thought I was going to roll but didn't. The right side slammed down, uh debeated both tires on the right side. Uh left side smacked into the ground and I'm now in the dirt facing the track. Uh just kind of sitting there waiting for the dust to clear cuz I can't even see the steering wheel in front of my face. There's so much dust. Um so I then, uh, shortly thereafter, I come down the front straight. I come around turn one. There is a giant dust cloud. I slow down, and then I see Jordan <laughs> off to the left of the track, climbing the hill toward the Marshall stand at a yeah. very slow rate of speed. I I could tell something was wrong. I couldn't. I I thought something in the suspension was just like completely broken because the. I I first I I'm like okay can I get it back onto the track and immediately I can tell that it, no I I don't want to go back on the track, um so I limp it up the hill to the Marshall stand at like walking pace, um which tells me that the axles are still good because I can turn both wheels, 
um, I get to the marshal stand and he looks at the car and because he, he can only see the driver's side. And he's like, you good? And I was like, I don't think so, dude. Something is broken. So I end up sitting there for the rest of the the session, which thank God for my cool shirt. Holy yeah. crap. I was going to ask. My God, it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Especially when it is 97 degrees plus heat index. like Plus fire suit. Yeah, plus Jordan wearing a fire suit. Like, <sighs> I can't imagine having it, to sit there. It was necessary. They let us, it was, there was probably another 10 minutes in the session at least. Yeah. Um, and that would have been a long time to just sit still in that heat yep. in a fire suit waiting. Cause I mean, you're not supposed to get out of the car unless it's on fire. So I right. just, I kept the car off the track and out of the way up next to the fire mark or next to the Marshall stand. So if the car did catch on fire, maybe there was hope that I could put it out. Um, but I just sat in the car, waited for a tow truck. Tow truck ended up coming. I was the first tow of the weekend, which is embarrassing. Uh, Somebody's got to do it. I was definitely not the last. No. Um, but uh, tow truck came, pulled the car back to the pits, uh, and I got to looking at the car. I took no pictures of that. I was in, like, get it fixed mode. I don't blame you. Did uh, They didn't flap at it? Like you had to, no, you got dragged was, back. Um, it was a, I don't even know what you call it, but they. It's use one of like, those like crane, um, tow trucks, like just a regular small tow truck, but it's got the little cherry picker crane off the back, and they throw a strap through the front through each two each of the, wheels. There's like a there's like a, a a beam that's suspended by a chain, and each one of those has straps hanging off it that go around the spokes in the front tire. So they just pick the front tire front wheels up, yep. and drag. And then just drag the rear axle all the way around. They didn't drag me all the way around the track. They literally just turned me right around back up to turn one and back into the pits, which was nice. So it was a short ride, which was good because with that de-beaded tire, if they'd had to go all the way around the track, it probably would have just shredded the side wall. That's that's why I was asking. Yeah. Yeah. So the back one did get dragged, mm, whatever that is, probably a tenth of a mile or something, Something. you know, like not super far. far. But yeah, from turn one back, you know, to the grid. But uh, get back into paddock. Um, both the tires are de-beated, so that's job number one is to make sure I see if I can get those fixed. So I, I pull the wheels off. Um, I throw ratchet straps around them to try and seat the bead. This actually, with my tiny little Milwaukee M12 tire inflator and a ratchet strap around one of them, we got one of them to of reseat them and, yeah. and reinflate. That's awesome. The other one, uh, I just I was like jumping on it. I could not get it to to do its thing. So I ended up. Um, they have a. It's it's not really a tire shop. I guess maybe it is on like bigger weekends, but they have a bigger air compressor over in the the big building. Yeah, in the big garage. So I took it over there and was like messing with that, and eventually got it. So I put those back together, put the car down, and immediately noticed I couldn't push it even in neutral. The left rear tire which is not the one I was sliding to the right. So the left rear tire got the bottom got pulled out and I, it bent the knuckle just enough. Like there was only, there was maybe like three millimeters of clearance between the tire and the strut before. And now it's just touching. So it's enough that it could be towed and it, what didn't like destroy the tire, but you could tell that it was rubbing. Um, so I was like, well, I guess I need a knuckle. So, I literally spent the next like three or four hours. Uh, yeah, cro- so 
I continued to run for the rest of the day in between, like trying to help Jordan fix the car, but I'd paid for lots yeah, of sessions absolutely. of HPDE. So every time my session came up, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll Peace. be back and I'll check in on you, you absolutely. know, when I get back off track. I don't think anybody blames you. No, yeah, not yeah. at all. So, Continuing to you run know, each time I, I run, I come off and they've got, now they've got both tires inflated. And then I go run another session. I come off and he's looking at the inside. Oh, look at this. You know, the tires rubbing here. So it's like progress was being made. And I come off from my second to last one, and he's sitting under the canopy on his phone. I'm like, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm looking on carpart.com to see if there's a knuckle anywhere within like 200 miles of here. All right, that's ambitious, but I like it. I like the energy. I made a ton of phone calls to a ton of different junkyards. I found out that basically any Corolla sedan of the same era uses the same knuckle and Sumter cells as well. I don't know how he figured this out. Uh, I still have a login to the OEM catalog from my first job. So I use that. Um, but um, yeah, I found one in that, like I called a bunch of places that had listings for those cars and none of them actually had them. So I found one place, uh, actually with the help of uh, Chandler Ellis at All Foreign Auto, who I used to use a lot when I worked at the body shop. Um, he's a he's a good guy. Um, he he helped. Yeah, he was looking at the same listings I was basically. But there was one in Connecticut that had one, and I called them, and I was like, "Listen, currently at the track in New Jersey, and I need this part to go on my race car because I." I don't call it a race car, but it for the simple people. I yeah, know. I understand. And he was like, "Oh, okay." And I was like, "Listen, it's like two thirty. Y'all close at five, and you're not open tomorrow. I'm four hours away. That math doesn't work. So what I'm proposing is this: Can I pay you over the phone with a credit card and have you set it out somewhere, and you tell me where it is, and I'll come get it?" He was like, "Yeah, sure." So he. <laughs> You, you you love to hear it, yeah. you know. Yeah, the dude was about it. He was yeah. he was super excited. He like took pictures of the. He found like the original car, yeah. like the pictures of the car that they took it off of. We cannot they, go past this part of the story without a, his quote. It was an '87 Corolla sedan with a rising sun spray painted all over it. The the part of the story I have to tell is that this fine gentleman's quote about the car. When Jordan told him that he needed it for his race car, I forgot about it. He said, Oh man, this one came off a race car. It was like straight out of China, it had the rising sun and everything. <laughs> and we're back. Bless, <laughs> bless this man. That was it. That was his quote straight out of China. Unbelievable. Yeah. I was just what can you what can you say i i literally would not have been able to say anything to him like <laughs> i was just like yep that's cool dude. yep cool man that's awesome oh my god just like that where is... do you even begin there's there's nothing so yeah so, so dude bro i paid for it it was like 75 bucks dude uh said it he was like i'll put it there's a blue Mustang convertible right in front of the shop. I'm going to put it in the driver's footwell. And I was like, so I should okay. say this is about at this point, it's like two 30 in the afternoon. 
when this is all starting to line up. And I and Jordan and I have talked about it. I've got one more session to go. And I was like, if this works and if they'll leave it out for you, we're going to Connecticut tonight. Like we're leaving the track when I get off my last session. And it's 2.30. So I get back on track and I don't know if he's lined this thing up or not officially. I come off after my last session. At that point, it's 3.30 yeah. or whatever. And he's like, we're doing this. Let's go. And we were going to take the forerunner because uh, Jordan was going to be noble and volunteer and everything because, you know, his car, his part, all that. But I just said, like, dude, there's no reason for us to waste that much gas when we could just swap the street wheels back onto the Miata and drive it up to Connecticut. So that's what we did. As soon as I came off my last session, we got to work swapping the street wheels back on. So I'd just driven this car six sessions, seven sessions on track <laughs> in the dead heat. And we throw the street tires back on it. The wheels like were like you had to have gloves to take the wheels off. They were still so hot. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Like uh, this car had just come off track. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and we swapped it back to street mode and we got on the road and off we headed. Well, for, before we before we headed off, we literally found Adam. We were like, Adam, we have to go to Connecticut. <laughs> he was like what <laughs> like we have to go get a part for this corolla we have to go to connecticut but we're not going to be back before midnight can we please get in he's like yeah they don't care about the gate i was like Aah! he said just he said just tell them just tell them when you go out the gate that you're you know when you're expecting to be back we go to the gate and they didn't J- care jordan's jordan's exact words are and he used air quotes he looks at the lady at the gate and he goes we need to just make a quick trip to connecticut (laughs) we're gonna be back pretty late because we figured about eight hours round trip yeah so we're leaving late afternoon on friday and um we made it back exactly when we thought we would 12 30 a.m yeah yeah so we trucked it all the way i drove all the way up uh past new york city um through some rain and, a little bit, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Um, got there. Part was in the driver front footwell of a blue Mustang sitting out in front of this tiny little junkyard place. In like, I don't even know how to describe that area. Like, it was yeah, just, where just like small hill town, uh, Connecticut. Thomaston or something like that. It's Thomaston, north, Thomasville, northwest Thomas. of Hartford. Northwest of Hartford. Yeah, it's in the okay. western part of the state. Um, beautiful drive, actually. Like the last bit of that drive that was incredible. Once you cross the um, shoot, what is it? I went back across it last week. Same bridge, that crazy bridge yeah. across the river, up from like north of Yonkers, across. Um, Those houses up there are absolutely bananas. Crazy sauce. Oh, they're all over, like up the hill. So I crossed that bridge in the other direction in the daylight last mm. week for when I was oh. up there for work. And like seeing the houses just on that hill over the over the Allegheny Huds- Hudson. Oh, that's the Hudson, oh, I no. think. Right, is on the west side of yeah the Hudson River, or maybe it's the East River, whichever one. Oh, uh, you're, you're talking about like right down by New York, right? Uh, north of New York, like Yonkers, but not as far up as 
Schenectady or Albany oh. or any of those. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, beautiful. The and then the Mario M. Cuomo Bridge. That's the one, Cuomo. Yeah, yeah. Mario M. Cuomo Bridge, um, which is a really cool looking suspension bridge. It is. Um, drove across that uh, into the that western part of Connecticut. It's just hilly and beautiful. The sun was setting. It, it was nice. The weather actually was nice at that point. It we had, had cooled down. down to probably 80. And uh, yeah, just top down cruised. Got up there, switched drivers. And Jordan drove, hopped right in. <laughs> Turned right around, stopped for gas a couple of Twice, times, I think. I think, and drove right on back. And the car averaged, I think, 35 or 36. It was like 36.8. Yeah. It was 37 miles Like per almost gallon. 37 miles per gallon after driving on track all day. It's like, what, what can that car not do? I, this, this experience has basically... I I genuinely think in a couple of years I will probably sell all of my vehicles and just buy an ND. It is the best thing. Yeah. It's so good. They're pretty great. Did did you guys did you guys drive up 15 in Connecticut? I don't Do you know? think so. I don't know. I don't think 15 so. 15 runs parallel to 95 uh through Connecticut and I think up into Massachusetts too, but um are you familiar with the Bolt Wash Parkway 295. Is it 295 or 250 or whatever? I think we were on yeah, 295 we, for a portion yeah, of it. Yeah, we took part of the Baltimore-Washington Parkway on the way yeah. up because we took 301 on the way up and then Baltimore-Washington Parkway up into like Delaware. Did you hit like crazy traffic on the Bolt Wash Parkway? No. It so, wasn't bad. I avoid that road like the plague because almost every time I get on it, there's some sort of accident. The the good thing about that road is trucks are forbidden on that on the entire road, so you don't get semis on the road, which is cool. But it's like you, you've seen the road. I help me just try to describe the difference between that and like driving on ninety five. It's like it's like if Blue Ridge Parkway was a highway. Yeah, basically, it's like yeah. it's like a park road. Yeah, it's like a it's state a, park, but it's road. a highway. Yeah, yeah, that everyone uses to commute on. Yeah, so you get idiots that don't know what they're doing and if you crash on that road like there's nowhere to there, go no there's nothing there's nothing there's no, very little shoulder very little shoulder there's often trees right on the side of the road and like 15 in connecticut is the exact same way mm. uh, except people drive like ludicrous people up there uh, but it drives through very nice beautiful hills of connecticut where i have Every time I take that road, I see a supercar. I see. Mm. I've seen a Pagani up there. I've we seen, saw a Rivian. I've seen. I saw a. Um, I think I may have seen a Koenigsegg one time up there. Like, I mean, crazy. Right? Just oh, the money is yeah. there. I want to so, correct the record real quick because my geography around New York City is bad. It is much further north than Yonkers. It's up by Nyack. Is where, yeah, 287, I-287 yeah. crosses the river, and um, yeah, over toward White Plains, and then I forget, yeah, we went up. It doesn't really matter, yeah. I was just curious. It's yeah. A, it's an absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous part it, of the country. Yeah. It really is, like, like strangely. Like, we, like we crossed that, br- we were, we had, like, the top down, we crossed this incredible, like, white bridge, like, basically at golden hour. It was, it was like, the most picturesque it could possibly be. It was incredible. 
It was really nice. Um, yeah, what what seemed like an insane venture, which still was in retrospect, yeah. but driving eight hours after a full track day to go back to the track and try to fix a car and drive the rest of the weekend in the heat. Um, but yeah, it actually turned out to be like it's quite kind, nice. of, kind of a nice drive. Yeah. And because we split it, like really, I only did four hours of driving. And then what what was kind of cool, and I said to Jordan while we were doing it, is I rarely get to be a passenger in in that car, yeah. in my own car, yeah. in, a, in a convertible, you know. It's kind of um, fun sometimes. It oh, is kind of fun. Great. Like yeah. you forget that you can just kind of let your eyes wander and let your, you know, I'm, I'm used to driving it all the time. So I have to pay attention to what's in front of me. And uh, it was really nice to just sit in the passenger seat and look around and enjoy, enjoy the view. And um, yeah, then we got back at, at 1230 and Jordan got immediately to work trying to fix the car so that he could get up first thing the next morning and hopefully run in the first session. Uh, I think I called it a night at... About 2, one thirty or 2. Yeah, it was at least 2. Um, and you kept working until when? 2.30? 2.30. Yeah. I, I was all cleaned up and in, in bed by 3. Yeah. So you replaced a knuckle. Yeah. Um, the knuckle that I bought uh, was a from a drum brake car. But I basically took all of the drum brake things and threw them in the garbage. And all I needed was to just transfer the actual like hub from mine, which is a bolt-on hub, to the yeah, other knuckle. Yeah, this is the fascinating thing. Not only is the hub bolt-on, but the caliper mounting locations are part of the like backing plate dust shield. Yeah. So, because I, we got about halfway back. And we stopped at a rest stop and I was like, hey, Jordan, I don't want to be a downer, but I'm just thinking about this in my head. If this is a drum brake knuckle, what is the caliper bracket going to bolt to? Like, how does he was like, oh, no, this is how it works. And I've never I've never seen this like fully interchangeable design where the backing plate for the drum comes off and then the dust shield plus the caliper bracket mounting like threaded holes to mount the caliper bracket to are all one piece and they just bolt to the knuckle and then the caliper goes on and then the hub goes on it's sandwiched between the knuckle and the um and the hub yeah that's right of all the people in the world i trust jordan to know how to lego together a car especially an old 80s toyota yeah (laughs) but that was exactly my thought. Yeah. Was how did I was going to basically say, how did you know that it, this was going to fit? You know, is it just or I also trusted the parts catalog cross reference. Yeah. So, well, I guess my my real question is, what was your confidence level that it was going to fit? But pretty high, like good enough to drive eight hours enough, round yeah. trip. Good, apparently good enough, I suppose. But um, what? Uh, it, so is there only one rear knuckle for that car? Basically, yeah, you know even I mean? for between the, the base, my understanding is that from the base FX, which does have rear drums, all the way up to the FX16 GTS, which has rear discs, um, it's the same knuckle, and it's the same as a Tercel, and it's the same as a Corolla as the sedan. sedan. That's impressive, actually. Those were yeah. truly the efficient years of yeah. car manufacturing, yeah. where they were just like, how many models can we make this part fit so we don't have to produce a different one? That's wild. It just, yeah, that was the one thing, because I just can't, on most modern vehicles, I can't picture a knuckle that doesn't have, like, 
you know, just part of the knuckle itself is like caliper mounting or caliper bracket mounting points. And so I just assumed that's how this would be constructed. And no, it's all fully like unbolted and all modular interchange. Shout out to bolt on hubs too. Right. I mean, like, yeah. That would have yeah. been bad. Like I can't even imagine trying to do this with, if you have a press in hub, like, the the bearing does press into there's like a it's almost like a cone with a flange on it yeah uh, and yeah the, you have to press the bearing into the cone to change the wheel bearing but that cone bolts onto the the spindle the knuckle rather yeah it's it's amazing it was pretty awesome yeah so really uh, it wasn't that much of a task for him to swap like that's why we got back at twelve thirty and you know he was done and in, in bed by two thirty or three. It's just like that was, you know, taking time and taking each part off and trans transferring it over and then getting it on the car and stuff. But it was put back together. So we got up the next morning and whatever you checked. Did I you check the night the, before if it interfered if, it if yeah. the tire? Yeah, I could tell as soon as I bolted everything together for the last time I could spin the wheel and it would spin. And there was not much clearance, but there was clearance. I think the yeah. I think the strut housing might be slightly bent, but not not enough to affect the shock. Is that um describe the uh strut mount to the hub? Or it's just to, two bolts just knuckle. two bolts like every it's other. It's a typical like, like strut. McPherson strut. Okay. You know, yeah. two tabs, two bolts. It's not That's it's it. not like one of the ones that goes like the, the strut comes down through a hole in the knuckle or oh, anything no, like no, that. No, not like a Honda like multi link or yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, it's just a strut. No, it's two McPherson bolts. like yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. That that's what I thought. I just you know. I did uh just for shiggles uh the next day is I I I ran one of my heavy duty like tie down straps for the car when I'm towing it. I ran it through the spokes of the wheels around the strut back through the spokes of the wheels to the uh, recovery point on the forerunner, tightened it all down and then jumped on it a bunch to try to maybe un unbend whatever bend there was in the strut. Didn't do anything, but I tried. It, it, it appeared to me visually that maybe the strut where the um, threaded, um, there, sleeve is yeah. for the lower spring perch because it's adjustable ride height adjustable with that is attached to the lower part of the strut body that there was a little tweak from the accident and so it was worth trying to bend that out but apparently the knuckle was enough different that Just when we swapped it out literally like a couple of millimeters like it was not a lot but it was enough that the tire cleared and yep. uh whether the alignment was Oh, the alignments as good mega it's, screwed up yeah, on this car. I have that like negative my next four. Question. The left side has like negative four degrees of camber. The right side has like Which, one. You know what? On a clockwise track, not the worst thing. Yeah, until you're trying to go through the octopus. <laughs> Just like, do you do you have a rack at work? No, mm. I'm gonna have. To, I and I had just gotten it done at Delta V earlier this year for Summit Point. Yeah, and I'm gonna recently, have to do it again. Yeah. Well, you got to swap all the bushings over and everything. and Yeah, which I actually started that process last night. I took the knuckle back off, burned all the bushings out. I took the knuckle to work today because it looks like it came from the wreck of the Titanic. Uh, <laughs> it's real that bad. It's fairly accurate. Uh, I put it in the, in the media blaster and blasted it all down and painted it. So it looks nice now. I just got to put the bushings in it. Speaking of media blasters, do either of you have one of the just little cheapo... Like a, like a deadhead yeah. style where you just... It just wastes the stuff. Yeah. No. 
No. But I know what you're talking about now. Um, it can't be I a can, couple dollars at Harbor Freight. Right? Yeah, they're, yeah, I'm <laughs> sure those are cheap. Harbor Freight, I, uh, this is a different story from from after this, but uh, Harbor Freight sells air hammers for $20, or air... Um, Chisel. Air chisels? Air hammers? Yeah, yeah air hammers. For, for 20 bucks. Yeah. Their pneumatic tools are like unbelievably inexpensive. Yeah. They're probably also unbelievably close to being a grenade at any point. <laughs> hey, it, hey, but it you know what? For, for what $20? That's what I'm saying. A lot of people will take that chance. That's what I'm saying. And if it... Uh, it gets you through the job that you need it for. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I am of the opinion that for tools... If your job does not rely on the tool, if your way of producing income for your family does not rely on that tool, you buy the really cheap one first and you use and it, you use it as long it, as you can until yeah. it breaks. And then you have an idea of whether or not you should spend more money on it. I have a 12 year old Chicago electric impact that refuses to die. I am that corded one. Say yeah. Like enormous ones, yep. yeah, weighs like eighty-seven pounds. Yeah, very. One good. of the woodworkers that I watch on YouTube has a shop with like you know two hundred thousand dollars worth of unbelievably expensive. Is that, like, a, is that Cam at Blacktail Studio? No. Oh, okay. Uh, check him out. That's also good woodworking content. Like full of the top of the line everything except for his spindle sander, which is like 14 years old and came from Harbor Freight. And he still uses it. Because, like, it has one moving part. And it just does its job. Like, Until I, it breaks? That's right. Just keep using that's it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm about that. Anyways, I got to sandblast some paint off a cabinet. Uh, uh, I'm I pretty have, sure my breaker yeah, just, bar is from Harbor, Harbor Freight. I have used chemical paint strippers and like i we've bought three rounds of them and it just just still paint on this thing it's like and all you got was a wicked headache no we do it outside luckily well but uh it's uh really starting to frustrate me and then i realized that i could probably just media blast this thing with like some walnut shells or whatever and just let it fuff out into the yard yeah yeah that would work yeah, get a cheap one from Harbor Freight. You have a compressor? Yeah, two. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Jordan, tell us about the website. It's beerandbackfire.com. Thank it's you. It's just beer and backfire. Just beer and backfire.com. <laughs>
which are the Furby songs. Oh no. Hold the spe- hold the mic up to the speaker. <laughs> no, no, don't do it! Don't do it! <laughs> Pierce is gonna start looking <laughs> like the girl from the ring in a minute. <laughs> Just like a hollow husk of a body. What the hell the ball is that? Do it again! An out of body experience. Wait, wait, hold on. Can can we <laughs> can we please have Odessa remix this for, for the for next year's EDM festival? <laughs> Why? What does this have anything to do with Furbies? <laughs> My wife could answer that question, but I cannot. Does she have like the, a deep insight into the lore? <laughs> this is just good techno. Oh wait. What did I say? 